Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the second of my podcasts on the topic of Jordan Peterson, and specifically thinking about his new work, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life, and also trying to ask ourselves really the question following on from last week, what can the church learn from him? Why is he connecting with culture so strongly? Why is it about, what is it about his his work and his mode of being, he would say, that connects with people so strongly. I asked this question on on Twitter and I'd like to just read out a response that I got from someone Uh, and I won't say his name in case he doesn't want it broadcast although he did put this out in the public domain. He says, I'm not young but I'm a man. I found him, Peterson, an incredibly useful and interesting chap. 2016 was a tough year for my family. I suffered a serious head injury at work that left my memory balanced and ability to speak and read compromised. Around the same time, my wife gave birth to twins. Unfortunately, she then experienced a rare pregnancy-related heart condition that almost took her from us. A lot of prayers, some great work from the medical profession, and a great deal of grit on her part. And five years later, she's still with us. That's great news. I encountered Jordan Peterson on YouTube and found him fascinating. I won't comment on his politics, but his commitment to personal responsibility was intriguing. He gave me a raft of conceptual tools that armed me to tackle uh, problems our family was facing. I did the self-authoring program, which, given my limited capacity at the time, took ages, but it was very rewarding. It helped me focus on improving my reading, working on my physio, help my wife with her recovery, and do all the things that I should be doing. Um, and then he says he has to cut it short because his kids are demanding attention. But suffice to say, four years on, he's stronger, he can read again, he lies less, less often, he's kinder than he was, and he works harder. Uh, Peterson helped him become a better husband, father, and man. I'm less nice than I was, but I've been a better friend and a better practical Christian than I was before. I suppose because I'm less concerned about being liked and more about trying in my very limited way to do good. I hope he gets well. And to be honest with you listeners, I haven't actually read any more of Beyond Order this week, but I I went back to uh, Peterson's first book, 12 Rules for Life, and I read his chapter on on lying or telling the truth, which is, um, I've got it here, and the the rule is, is rule number eight, in case you're interested, and it's tell the truth or at least don't lie. And um, it's a very powerful chapter, which is basically saying that th- there are there are two ways of, of living or two modes of being, uh, Peterson says, which one, one of which is about essentially living a lie and being a lie, and one of which is about being honest. And, and part of the difficulty with this is that you don't know Sometimes when you are actually living the lie, it takes attention, attention to yourself to actually realize when you are lying and, and when you're telling the truth. And he goes into quite a lot of detail about about how to do that. And I found it very interesting. And the reason I, I bring that up and the reason I talk about this this series of tweets from from a friend on, on Twitter is because there is something I think about Peterson here, which is about authenticity and it's about it's about truth and it's about i hate this phrase but it's it's about being real and there's something about that which which people respond to and it's not you know it's not about being hip or about being cool or something like that it's about being an integrated person that's a good way of saying it it's about the inside of you and and the way you present yourself to the the world matching each other so that people don't sense that you're a fraud and i think that people are especially I would say young people are, are, are sensitive to that in our culture. The whole idea of, of deference to 
authority just because it is authority is is pretty dead, I would say. I think people people defer to integrity. I, I really think that that's true. And I've been thinking a lot about preaching and, and the church over the course of this week. And I, I think that we're stuck in that old way of thinking about things that, you know, because you're up there in a the pulpit, because you're wearing vestments or a dog collar, whatever it might be, you can just speak in this kind of authoritative tone and, and people will just listen to you just because just because of who you are and, and where you're standing. But but I don't really think that's the way it works anymore. I think that people listen to you because they sense that you have something to say of integrity, which comes from who you really are, what your real experience is, what your real understanding is, and so on. And this, this leads me to my other point as well, which is that people listen not just because you have integrity but people listen because you've got something to say which is worth hearing right and and this is one of the reasons i think that the church is failing to to connect with the world is that what it says so often is is so abstract and it has so little practical value and i'm i'm not an anti-intellectual person at all i've spent a long time reading and and doing degrees and I I still do all those things but I also believe that the gospel and the Christian message is intensely practical and it should have an intensely practical application to our lives so why is it that somebody like Jordan Peterson can give someone like our friend on Twitter a raft of conceptual tools that help him to tackle problems as he and his family were, were facing and yet if he'd gone to say a Church of England parish church and listen to a sermon, it would be very unclear that anything like the same kind of thing would be on, on offer. And I, I, I think that that's a I think that that's a real a real problem. So so the example one of the examples he mentions is that he lies less often. He's kinder, he works harder, but he's more he's more straightforward, he's more honest with people. He's not as nice as he was. And, you know, I think this whole idea of being nice, it's it's a serious problem because it's a false, if you're not careful, at least, it's a really false way of being, being nice. What does it mean? Being friendly, saying things people want to hear. But lots of the time in life, you've got to speak the truth and people don't want to hear the truth. And I'm actually preparing a, a sermon on that very idea this week in, in John chapter three, which which talks about the way that men don't like the light and they and they hide in the darkness. So you, if you are a light, you've got to be prepared to speak the truth in such a way as, as it's as it's real and and let people have the response that they're going to have. But anyway, I I really think that part of the problem here is that we don't have a way of making the Bible. We don't have a way of making scripture. We don't have a way of making theology. We don't have a way of making the church real for people and again you know peterson peterson preaches he preaches on scripture he does these these lectures on on the book of genesis which many people i'm sure have heard and and people find that the bible comes alive in in a fascinating way when he does them how how is he able to do that what what is it about those things that that makes them so compelling for people is he just is he just tickling itching ears or or is he actually is he actually trying to apply these things in a way which is which is relevant to people's lives so that people can see that these texts were actually written to relate to some kind of perennial reality which human beings experience all the time, which is common to our daily lives and, and which makes sense of them to some degree? I think he probably is, and I'm, I haven't listened to any of them since I've been 
going back to Peterson over the past week, but I, I'm certainly going to go back to them and, and think about the way that he engages with scripture and, and see why it is that that's so, so compelling for people. Um, to finish this short podcast, I also want to flag up an absolutely fascinating and honest conversation that Peterson had with the uh, the symbolic thinker and orthodox icon carver, Jonathan Pajot, and they, they speak a lot about Christ and, and Christianity in the church. And it's a, it's a wonderfully in-depth conversation. But I listened to this just after I recorded last week's podcast, and I felt that there was almost something providential in listening to this exchange at that time. Uh, Pajot, at one point, talks about the the purpose of the existence of, of things, of all things, which is that they might participate in God in, in their I- ideal form. Now, Pajot is an Eastern Orthodox thinker, um, and I don't know if he's aware of the Western metaphysical tradition. He seems like he he would be because he knows a lot. But this this reminded me of the the concept of the the modus principle, which is exactly exactly that really that we are all created to participate in God, which means well not just we but all things are created in to participate in God, which means that we are all we and and all things participate in God by being what we are in our most perfect in our most perfect way in our most perfect mode if you like so we're not we're not all growing towards one homogenous mass or or like we're sort of uh, toffees in in a machine just being just being thrown out one after the other all the same but that we all have a we all have a way a, a, an individual way an individual mode an individual structure of being which we which we grow into as we grow closer to what God created us to be. So this is, this is, if you like, a way of becoming holy uh, as human beings, but also about the world being, being, uh, becoming a glorification of God through, through, through being what it truly is, uh, through escaping the effects of sin and, and, and suffering and, and death and being, and being um, made into what God intended us and the world around us to be. It's called the modus principle. And so once Pajot has observed this, it's interesting what Peterson says, and I'll read this out. There isn't any responsibility that's more compelling than trying to aid things in the manifestation of their divine form. This is Peterson. That should be an adventure that can be sold, and I don't know why the church can't do it. I don't understand that, because it seems to me that that's something I've done, at least in part. So this is Peterson, not, you know, not... Uh, in any way an unambiguous christian he's not a churchgoer he doesn't really he doesn't he's not clear on even to himself whether he believes in god or not but he's saying he's he thinks he's done that in part and the church is failing to do that and you know what friends i think he's probably right about that and perhaps that accounts for the popularity of his biblical lectures for example and he continues the right striving to attempt with all your heart is to encourage things to develop along the path to that divine goal the right striving to attempt with all your heart is to encourage things to develop along the path to that divine goal and this is a movement towards the the greatest good and then they go on to have this conversation about how this is done best in a community of shared value shared value purpose and meaning gives us an amplified sense of these things as we grow together towards our telos which is ultimate cosmological and metaphysical unity right so let's just think about that 
I won't go on for too long, but let's think about that for a minute. Why can't the church sell the adventure of, of helping things to manifest their divine form or helping things to develop along the path to manifestation of their divine form and, and what does that even mean i mean that i just i i just think that's so unbelievably profound i have to say i think that's unbelievably profound um let's just think about this theologically for a minute i think a lot of the time we're we're scared when we when we talk about development or you know to use this theological word sanctification because you know, we get into this, or at least I think Anglicans do this and, and probably evangelicals. I'm not sure about Roman Catholics, but we're worried about this whole idea of justification by faith, right? That we the gospel just has to be preached, this kind of abstract thing which we must believe. And 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 that's the message of the church. And and we we don't we don't think hard enough about how to connect that message with well, you know, what does this mean? Is this just some kind of divine ticket to heaven? Or does it have some kind of application to my life? And 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 we're 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 scared about asking that question because we think we might try and start earning our salvation, or something like that. And this is where you know Peugeot talks about the Eastern Orthodox idea of, of theosis, for example, of, of of human beings growing into into the into the image of God or even into a godlike image. So I think perhaps we've got we've got a problem because. The emphasis has been so much on on justification by faith. But could we not think about sanctification of of the human being in this in this way? And there's much more here, but but let's just think about this to begin with. That I said last week that one of the one of the reasons I think that that he's connected with people, I think particularly particularly with young, aimless men, is because he sells this idea that you find meaning through responsibility, right? You, you, you find meaning through taking responsibility. Now, the world has told us falsely over and over again that the way you find meaning in life is through pleasure, right? Through drinking, through having sex, through doing whatever it is. Just have a, have a, have a great time, you know, go to a, go to, go to a Greek island and, and get wasted and, and get laid type thing. And that's how you're going to find that's how you're going to find meaning through pleasure. And, and what Peterson is saying is, is no, you don't find meaning through that kind of pleasure. I mean, there is pleasure in life, but but that is just completely empty. It's completely empty and pointless. And if you do that for any length of time, if you have the misfortune, I think of the character in About a Boy, Hugh Grant's character, if you have the misfortune of having the resources to be able to do that all the time without ever taking responsibility for anything, you're actually a total loser. You're a, you're a total loser and you're not somebody who's respectable. You're not respectable to the world around you and you're not respectable to yourself either. You will feel like a loser, even though you might have all of these resources at your disposal. And the way you'll, the way you'll feel less like a loser and the way you'll, you'll find more purpose and, and meaning in your life is by taking responsibility for something, right? Getting your act together, like I said last week, even just tidying your office. But, you know, become attractive enough to a woman that she might want to marry you, right? Have children, and, and take responsibility for being a, a father or, or a mother, which is an absolutely awesome responsibility. And I, I know this, um, you know, vicariously watching it. Take responsibility for a child or more than one child and, and feel the, the sense of, of absolute meaning and purpose that your life takes on when, when, you, when you have a child. 
you know, it's it's interesting that it's it's really this is going to sound really dark, but it's interesting that you cannot think of of suicide or of the of the the, the potential of non-being anywhere near as easily when you're a parent because your life has such meaning now. You've got such an awesome responsibility. You can't give it up. You cannot give it up because your child will suffer so terribly. And my goodness, that gives you such an awesome sense of of meaning and, and purpose to your life that you must exist. You must exist for this this vulnerable child that looks to you for, for, for everything. And if you turn your face away from that child, that child will be utterly lost. Like, take that as a sense of for a sense of meaning take that for a sense of 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 responsibility and see what it does to your life see if you won't see if you won't you know if you live up to that see if that won't change you in some in some really deep and and relevant way and i guess what i'm saying is could we not start thinking about the faith like that you need to take responsibility for your eternal soul my friend because you were created by god to become like him you were created by God in that Eastern Orthodox sense to become a God, right? To become a God. You have an immortal soul. It's fallen. It's broken because of sin. But in the gospel, Christ offers you redemption. And it's a redemption that you partner with him in through prayer, through good works, through devoting your life to the good. And this is really an adventure. This is something that, this is something that you partner with God in. You take responsibility for yourself. You bring yourself out into the light. You repent of your sins. You open yourself up to God. You listen to his call. You respond to his call on your life. And you will find meaning and you will find purpose in that. I guarantee you. Can we Can we as a church not start thinking about conveying that message to the world? I mean, how does the Church of England, and I'm sorry to keep on going on about this because everyone on the podcast will know, that I go on about this all the time, but but it's constantly talking about how how we how can we reach young people? We want you know they're they're always going on about we want young people we want we, you know we want ethnically diverse people we want um, we we don't want you know the same old middle class um, baby boomer generation which I actually think is absolutely patronising by the way and I think it's I think it's almost wrong and disrespectful to to even think in this way but but my answer to that would be look if you want young people to come to church you can't just say please come to church we want young people right you just how um, my question is you know how is it going to happen how is it going to it's not just going to magically happen you can't just say i've got a vision to have younger people in the church and they just come you need to try and connect with them you need to try and think about what might speak to their souls in the in the emptiness and the futility and the nihilism and the the sheer pointlessness of the of the culture that surrounds them the decadence and, and emptiness of it right you don't want to just be a further manifestation of that decadence and emptiness that's what i'm saying right so so you need that depth right and then this is the final thing i've got to say and this is way longer than i i wanted to to go but the final thing I want to say perhaps with this this thing about responsibilities it's not just about you taking responsibility for yourself right it's about you bearing responsibility for the world around you and that's that's where I think this thing really opens up okay so it's not just 
I've got to beautify my own soul. It's that inherent within the process of you becoming holy, inherent within that process is you taking responsibility for the manifestation of the divine forms in things around you. And I've already, I've already spoken about that in, in terms of, of children and in terms of, of, it would also apply in, in terms of marriage and, and other family relationships and friendships as well. But you can even think about this in, in very practical ways, like the tending, for example, of a, of a garden, right? My, my lawn, is, is, my lawn is, is patchy at the moment. It needs some grass seed. Can I see something of, of purpose and, and value of, and substance in, in just doing something like tending my lawn? Now, for... for for artists and, and musicians and, and writers, can we not see something of God in, in our creative work when we, when we give something a, a beautiful or an aesthetically pleasing form? Is there, is there not some way of, of understanding that as, as, an inherently, as an inherently godly act to beautify the world in this particular art form? And, and you can, you could, I'm sure people who are listening to this who have different ideas would be thinking of all kinds of ways you could think about this. But when you start to think about the world in terms of a manifestation of a divine form, then that, then that concept, I think, links, links up really easily with the concepts of responsibility and meaning. And I, I really think there's something to this. And I hope that I hope that, that makes sense to everyone. And I tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, I've been preparing my sermon for next week, which is actually Mothering Sunday, but it's also Laetere Sunday in the church. And uh, yeah, so I'm preaching this Sunday and I've been preparing this sermon while I've been thinking through these things. And I think that inevitably some of this thinking has has um, has transferred over to my sermon preparation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to record my sermon. It won't be the sermon I actually preach in church. I'll record it beforehand, probably. And when I record it, I will then put it on the podcast, right? And I want to, it's not an experiment, it's real. It's, it's, it's a real sermon, which, I, which I'm actually preparing and I'm going to preach it in front of a congregation. But I want to put it out there and, and, see, and see what happens, you know, see what you think of it. Because I'm, I'm trying, I'm really trying. I'm really trying and I'm really serious about this. I want to try and, I want to try and make the gospel relevant for people and I, I do you know listening to this conversation with Peter and Jonathan Pajot I, I think there's something unbelievably profound about this this story of Jordan Peterson I Pajot talks about him as a kind of King Cyrus figure who restores Israel or you know in, in this sense restores the church to itself and I just think yeah I think there's something to that and we've we've got to we've got to pay attention We've got to pay attention. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying everyone does, but I have to pay attention and, 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 and see what happens. OK, so that's the end. That's that's way longer than I, I was expecting, but I hope everyone's enjoyed it. And by all means, I, I got great feedback last week. And, and do send me an email if you'd like to, irreverendpod at gmail.com or follow on Twitter at irreverendpod. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. Do share this around if if, if you'd like to. I'd be particularly pleased if you'd like to share it with your church leader. I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do, but I do think this is a, a, com a shared conversation which I'd really like to get going, um, particularly with people who preach and, and minister to people in, in word and sacrament. So thanks very much and see you next time. 
next week. Thank you.